Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. I've been doing this podcast since September of 2012, and boy, are my lips tired. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. And we have two for two this week because this is the second day where I'm actually doing two shows in one day, which I had to do because we've got another special guest possibly even more special than yesterday, which is, I'm not even sure if that's possible. <laughs> but Because we had a, Luke, we had a wonderful guest yesterday, also from the UK, also a marketer. She really specializes in uh, helping people grow Facebook groups. So that was one reason why we had her on. It was a wonderful conversation. But I got to tell you, after reading your resume, this could be even a step higher. So, Luca Sanatore, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me, Walt. By curiosity, by way of curiosity, who was the guest yesterday? Uh, the guest yesterday was Disha Wadup. All right. No, okay. No, I thought it was somebody else. Uh, nope, nope. the bill. All right. No, yeah, I, I don't, uh, I won't try to be better. We are all just different, I guess. Hopefully we'll That's both bring some value. This is true. Well, that's my, I guess that's my way of being very appreciative of the fact. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. This show, really, seriously. I mean, we appreciate anybody who comes on, especially somebody who has your background to come on and share expertise with us. It's just a wonderful gift. So thank you very much. It is my pleasure. Thank you. So you got to give people, uh, give our listeners a sense of your background. Tell us your story, so to speak, and, you know, how you got going and then where it took off to, because right now you're pretty high flying. Yeah, gosh. I mean, where do you want me to start? There are so, so many phases. I, I uh, grew up, you know, in a very unconventional uh, family, if you will, especially for Italy, which is where I was born, especially for the time, which was 1976. Uh, you know, my, my, I mean, when, when I was three days old, I spent three years with uh, friends of family who then became my acquired uh, extended family. Uh, my mom was going through some challenges. When I was five, my dad, who was not a very nice man uh, mm. in any way, left. Uh, and back then, it was very hard for, you know, it was very unusual for people to be single. Uh, that doesn't mean that everybody was happy. It just meant that a lot of people would put up with it. Right. Um, I didn't, and they let us, left us with uh, a lot less pain because my dad was that, just that a pain. But uh, we also left, left us with debts, and and, uh, and so it was very hard to make ends meet. You know, we had to scavenge for money a lot. I had to go to work when I was thirteen because we couldn't afford for me to not do that. Wow. And so, you know, when when I then uh, started working, I started helping uh, mom to pay debt. And then uh, at the age of, uh, I think it was 18, I said, Mom, we hit the, the jackpot. I found a job as a salesman. I'm gonna, we're going to be rich. And so well, that's great. What's the salary? I said, well, the salary is zero. It's some commission, but we're going to make a lot of money. And she said, are you mad? Uh, but I took the plunge, and uh, we bought a very cheap old car that I would use to travel uh, everywhere in the region that I was assigned. And uh, and it was basically called a calling door to door in uh, uh, offices to sell advertising spaces on something like the yellow pages, but much smaller. Okay. Uh, the truth is that after about four months, I was making more money than any of my friends did uh, in three or four months. Wow. Uh, not always stayed in my pocket because we had a lot of debt to pay, but the debt yeah, was yeah. coming down quickly. Yeah. And then, uh, unfortunately, I crashed the car. Oh, and, no. Uh, and, 
it took a while, you know, although the money was coming in, it really was being sucked in by the debt. So buying another car at that stage was very hard, but the debt was almost paid. And so did a couple of other things in the meantime. And then when the debt was paid, my mom had enough income from her pension to, to look after herself. And so I thought, that's it. You know, you're good. The money that you have is good for you. I'm just going to go and, and, and see what life has somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I always felt that Italy was a little bit small for me, not because I, I'm this great guy, just because I felt I wanted to, to interact with people that spoke uh, English because, uh, you know, it turns out that English is spoken a lot more than Italian is. This is and true, so, yes. <laughs> and so I landed in the UK with about 65 British pounds, which is about $85. Right. And my first week's rent was about... Uh, about a $95 or that about. So I was already in debt before. Right. Right. I couldn't speak a word of English. Uh, I started wow, working. You came here without even knowing any English. I couldn't speak any. I could say hello and, and that's it. Uh, wow. I, I, I obsessively started learning. Uh, I couldn't afford tuition. I had 65 uh, pounds in my pocket. Uh, but the lady, uh, there was a, there, there's a, a half Italian lady who, uh, I was introduced uh, to like 12 hours after landing and she set me up uh, to work in a fish restaurant as a, as a washer. And at the end of the shift, they said to me, go home, go home. And I thought, oh my God, they saw how hard I worked. You know, I really busted my backside. They wanted me to go home and rest. What they were actually saying was go home, never come back. You can't work here. You don't know what we are telling you to do. <laughs> But, but this lady really took me under her wing and, and, and there was, uh, there are many colleges in Cambridge, which is where I live. And uh-huh. she sent me to the colleges to do something called silver service, which is basically you going around with a lot of food on a tray and just distributing it to, to the students and everybody gets right. the same. So you don't need to speak to anybody. In fact, I don't think you're allowed to speak to anyone. <laughs> and, uh, and then slowly I learned English, uh, you know, as I could. And, uh, and then eventually, you know, my English became good enough to, to start a business and then, and, and so on and so forth. But yeah. So what that, what that tells you though is that everything that I had to do was really, you know, from the ground up, nothing was given, nothing was. And I think the blessing of that is that you really learn to solve problems, you know, because if you think about it, landing in a country where you can't communicate, that's a problem, right? So mm. you, you kind of get accustomed to solving problems and nothing was really that bad because at the end of the day, I mean, what, what was the worst that could happen? I mean, that I didn't make any money. Well, I had no money anyway, so I was going to be worse off, you know? And so, so that, that's where it started. Uh, and uh, then I met some great people. I managed to, to emulate a lot of these people and to model the decisions they were making and made some, some decent decisions myself that led me to, to have the initial successes. You know, nothing was easy. Nothing was overnight, of course. But I guess that, uh, you know, I started seeing, seeing success and the only thing that was producing the success was effort. You know, there was no talent in there. Everybody's got talent, of course, but there wasn't innate talent. I'm not more talented than anybody in the world. I'm just an average person. There was no lack or there was nothing left over. There wasn't a dad that showed me the way. There was none of that. And I love that because it really, you know, he told me, but my goodness, if I did it, then everybody could do it. And imagine being able to influence even just 10 people in life, 10 people that believe that they can't do it because they didn't have ABNC, if you could convince them that they could, and maybe they could because they don't have ABNC, how cool would that be? And so I started getting into businesses where I would have the opportunity to influence other people. And uh, 
And that's see, that's the story from the beginning to the end, I guess. There it is. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's I, not I to the end. My welcome with that with that answer. Well, well, the end isn't actually even written yet, but you, you actually went through some more than that because you've turned that opportunity that you created for yourself, teaching yourself English along the way. I'm still blown away by that one. But you you took that opportunity and you kept learning and you kept shifting. I think that's the the word I was looking for because you kept making shifts each each step along the way. Okay, what do I need to shift to here? Where's my next shift that I need to go to? You kept shifting and, and you shifted yourself over time to a really, to having a remarkable company that is decorated, it's, it's awarded, it's, you have recognition, you have clientele. I mean, talk a little bit about that one, because I think that's what scares a lot of people. You know, uh, okay, yeah, I had all this stuff happen. Yes, I, I made some progress. But then you actually started a company and made it work. That's yeah, well, something- we built eight businesses to date. Um, and uh, so I'm, I'm now on, on the last two, everything else I sold. Uh, and the most proud part about that is that I sold them to people that were uh, either business partners or colleagues and they are still very good friends, which is often very different. That's always good, yes. Uh, yeah, so no, I, I, and the first business that I started, well, I was working in a restaurant as a marketing manager when I learned a bit of English. I bought some shares in that uh, restaurant, turned it around, doubled the revenue, sold my shares. Then I, um, then I started what I was really passionate about, which was marketing consultancy. And uh, I started a marketing consultancy businesses, teaching or helping people, helping local small businesses, how to grow, how to secure new business, essentially. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we, and then I was looking for an office because it grew a little bit. So I wanted an office uh, because before that, we just worked from the client's office. I would just go and see the mother office. Wanted an office and uh, I found a building that had nine rooms. So a very large building, it had nine offices, essentially. I only needed one. So... But I like the building, so I said I'll take it, and then I'll figure out what to do. And, uh, and no, I that alone is that's scary. I got to stop you right there. You took a building that you only needed one office in, and you didn't even have a plan for the rest of the building. You took the building. I mean, yeah. that's that's not your usual everyday activity. But you, you know why? Uh, well, well, it's because I think when you well, now we need to be careful about making this statement because you need to be cautious. You need to have plan B and so on. You need to really be cautious about things. You can't be reckless. But at that time, I really built everything from nothing. And uh, and I always ask myself, what is the worst that can happen? I mean, they're going to do credit checks. They, they know exactly the position. I'm never going to lie. I'm going to tell them exactly what I am. If they want to give it to me, if they want to take the risk, the risk is on them, not on me. Because the worst case scenario is that I won't be able to pay and then I won't have the office. But guess what? I already don't have an office. So for me, the worst case scenario is not worse than what I am today. As long as they're prepared to take the risk, then go for it. And they did, and uh, obviously before I negotiated a, a, a bridge between when I said yes and when we started paying rent, and between that I thought, okay, what, what am I going to do? I looked in Cambridge, and there seemed to be only one complimentary health center. I thought, you know, there's only one, means that there is a market, and maybe we can give them some competition. So we did, and we kept an office for us, and then uh, I uh, transformed that into a complimentary health center. Now, before I did that, I realized that I couldn't do it on my own. So I got a friend of mine, uh, another Italian, and I said, hey, do you want to do this thing? And he said, yes. And so at the beginning, it was him and I stripping all the carpets and fitting new ones. You know, we did everything. No, we didn't do the fitting, but we did the stripping. And then, you know, uh, when I sold it, it was on its way. Now is the biggest complimentary health center in Cambridge. Wow. Um, and we were running the marketing operation for our other clients, but then we found that 
our business model was to rent out the rooms to complementary health practitioners. And when they rented the room, they realized, the room, they realized that they wanted more business. Guess what? We were business consultants. So we started another agency uh, focused on helping practitioners grow. So we did that. Then I opened the delicatessen shop uh, just because I wanted one that sold uh, Italian and South African. My wife is South African. Italian and South African produce. And there was only one uh, in town, Italian, that was very, very expensive. So we thought, Let, let's build one because we wanted and maybe we can make a business out of it. Uh, we built it and then we sold it on. Uh, and then after that, I met with this a good friend of mine who had a publishing business. And he said, oh, look, I, you know, we, we do publishing, so affiliate type stuff for large, uh, for large brands. And, uh, you know, we, we have developed this technology that basically helps people buy more traffic from Google Ads. We wanted to create an agency. Would you, what would you do? Would you give us some advice? So we sat down, we had a coffee, and two years after that, they were still at the same stage. Not because they're not good, they're amazing, but they were focused more on the publishing business, and they haven't really built an agency. So we met again, and we decided that it was a good idea for me to sell my two businesses, the complementary center and the marketing agency, and uh, and go in and grow that business for them. So we did, and that was eight years ago, and we grew Gini uh, Goals. That was an idea and the logo into what is now a multi-award-winning uh, agency um, that, uh, yeah, that does some good work. So that's the business that I still run. And the second business that I run is called Sam. Um, which is a mentoring program for people that want to get into business or maybe small coaches, small consultants, you know, anybody that is either wanting to get into business or maybe got into business, but maybe they haven't cracked the 10K a month yet. And we help them get to 12K a month very, very, very quickly. Because people obviously, if you don't do that, you think, oh my God, 12K a month is a lot. But actually, it's, it's not really that much once you've been there, once that is a, a specific methodology. So we do that, and I set up that business about a year and a half ago, and we now have six members of staff. We just cracked our first half a million uh, year, which is good. And that's it. So now I run these two businesses. That's it, he says, as if that were nothing at all. <laughs> no, it, it's it's kind of gets easier as you go. <laughs> well, yes, I know. All the experience adds up, and I know how that feeds in. I'm just looking at it from the perspective of my audience, and my audience is saying, oh, my God, this guy's a serial entrepreneur. He's created all this stuff. Everything he touches turns to gold. Has he got the magic touch? I mean, talk about law of attraction. That's what the show is generally about is law of attraction. You attract everything that you want exactly the way you want it. And, and people yeah, are- I mean. Everything that we touched uh, turned into gold, uh, only uh, only filtered. Right? There are there are many things that we did that didn't work. There are many many times where, as you know, you know, as a as a seasoned business person yourself, you know, many things that didn't work, and and we had to we had to find solutions to problems that seem bigger than us. And uh, you know, a lot of a lot of it, I mean, I, I always say in business. Oversimplification of of this model for sure, but in business there are three key elements. There are skills, and these are the skills to do what it is that you're doing. You know, if you uh, if you are a hypnotherapist, then the skill is to do hypnotherapy. If you are a marketer, your skill is marketing. If you are a builder, your skill is building. Uh, and then that's one thing that we cannot teach. You know, you need to teach yourself or go learn. The second thing uh, is a strategy, which is the taking the pieces that matter and, and putting them into a, a, a framework that allows you to achieve your goal. Most, most of the times that being growth, sales and so on. There are many strategies, there are many techniques that work, there are many t- tactics that work, but 
the strategy is the ability to select a few that suit you, to your products, to your audience, and execute. That's also fairly easy. I mean, the one thing that is very, very hard is mindset. And we have it inside our learning program. We have a mindset coach. We have a big, you know, our program is based on seven key steps. One of the steps is, is about mindset. And that cannot be taught, really. You can tell people stop, but people need to really go out and, and, and can do it. And I think one of the things that I mastered early in life, I mean, maybe that's a byproduct of growing up with Tony Robbins in my years. I don't know. But <laughs> was, was the mindset, you know, that, that look, you know, this is going to be hard, but what isn't? You know, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. And, uh, and, and as an entrepreneur, I mean, for anybody out there that wants to be an entrepreneur, I think the, the biggest the, the, the only one priority for you at the beginning it should be to fall in love with solving problems because that is the definition of being an entrepreneur. You're going to always have problems. So at the beginning, when I opened the first business, we owed 50K to the bank. Now, I don't really do stress, but when I went to bed, I knew I had 50K that I had to pay somebody and I didn't have that 50K to pay that somebody. So I was really hoping that the business would, would, would generate that money. Now, I think at the agency, I, I need to check, but I think our monthly Google bill is, is like half a million or something like that. Right? Mm. So, you know, the problems don't change. They just change shape. Yeah. Right. They don't go away. So as an entrepreneur, my biggest advice is just know that you're going to have problems and the problems don't define you, right? You are not the problem. You're not bad because the money is not coming in. You're not bad because the client is upset. You're not bad because fill in the blank. These are all problems that we need to solve. And if we look at problems with a different perspective, think, okay, how can I solve this problem? Who do I need to solve the problem? What do I need to solve this problem? Then you might be sitting there maybe in a few months or years acting like I act, which to many things, you know, it may seem that I'm underplaying the businesses that we built. I'm not underplaying. I know that it takes a lot of work, but I think if we are more playful, also taking it seriously, but more playful and more understanding that solving problems is just what you do as an entrepreneur, then it's, it's less of a burden, I think. I, I love the fact, first of all, that you place such an emphasis on, on mindset because we do the same thing here on the program. That's a major portion of what we discuss here on the program. And I also love the fact that you treat mindset in a way that says, you know, all the problems, the problems exist, but they're not that big of a deal. And in fact, I love how, I don't remember what the word, phrase was, the word you used, but the, it, it sounded like you were saying, have fun with it, enjoy, feel good about it. And we emphasize that tremendously here on the program. So I love how you're, you're feeding into that without realizing that you're feeding into it. So thank you for that. But yeah, because uh, we'll guarantee when you grow a business that you're going to have problems, right? And if you don't enjoy what you're going to do most of your day, then you're in the wrong business. I mean, there are problems in life that are really tragic, you know, health problems, relationship problems, you know, but not making a selling business. It's, it's a problem that you have the responsibility to solve as an entrepreneur. So it's a serious problem, but it doesn't define you. That, that, that I guess is my point. And to be honest, the way you're telling this, the story, it sounds very similar to one of the key points we often like to talk about, which is letting solutions come to you. You don't, you don't perseverate over, oh, I don't have a solution for this thing yet because that, that'll kill you. I mean, you can just drive, drive yourself crazy if you just say, oh, there's got to be a solution. I don't know what the solution is. I'm running out of ideas. I, I'm, I'm running out of, off. I'm at the end of my tether. I, I don't know what you, you can't go at it that way. But if you go at it with the idea of, wow, this is going to be an exciting day and I'm not sure what's going to happen next, but we're going to find some good stuff. 
And then good stuff starts to come to you. You described how right when you got off the plane, you had a, 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 you just encountered this woman within what eight hours? You said. Yeah, there was an introduction, so it was a little bit, it was a little bit of a cheat move. Uh, but, but, but still, it, it, I mean, you allowed it to come to you. You, 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 yeah. you didn't have resistance there. And that, that's another topic we talk about a lot is resistance. And you, you didn't have resistance. That's huge. Yeah, I mean, I think we all have resistance. I think it's, it's more about understanding it and putting it on the side. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I'm a very practical person when it comes to business. I have a Trello board that, that you know, kind of shows everything in, in order of priority uh, that needs to happen. You know, because, you know, we're very good at humans at changing the vocabulary and then expecting that because we manipulated the world, now reality is going to change. And so people set 10 priorities. You know, we, we, we should have one priority at the time, I believe. But if a problem, to your point, if a problem needs a solution, and that problem is a business critical problem, I call it, right? So, you know, for example, if our cash flow is low, we need to have sales, we don't have sales, that is a major business critical problem that could be at the end of the business. So I am going to, that, that's it, that's all I'm going to do. That's all I'm going to do for, for the next, until I solve it, my job, it isn't to grow the business. My job, it isn't to do anything but solve that problem. Because if I don't solve that problem, there won't be a business to run. And so whether it is through my thinking or planning or going for a run or, or paying a consultant that helps me or whatever, that is, I need to solve the business critical problem so that I can move on. And so I think it's important to do it. But I think it's coming from a place of abundance so there is a solution for the problem. I just haven't found it yet. Rather than I am not going to find a solution. This is going to be so hard. I don't really enjoy it. If that is your mentality listening, then maybe this may or may not be the right time to start the business, right? Because the problem is there and saying that we're going to find a solution or saying that we're not going to find a solution without data is called guessing. And if one has to guess, you might as well just guess positively, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Very true. Um, something else that comes to my mind as you were saying what you just said, something we discussed yesterday as well. Mindset is a critical piece. I mean, you listed it third, but I think you really treat it as, as the top piece. And you, and you emphasize that by saying it's the hardest one. Um, but it's also the one that has to come first in some ways, because if you don't have mindset, you really can't get going. Mindset's going to hold you back if you don't have the right one set up, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's a good point that you make. I I see a lot of people, and to a degree, it's not black and white. You know, I I think I have a strong mindset, you know, stronger than most people that we mentor. That's why we mentor them, right? Mm. Uh, So I'm not better than any of them. I've just been there before, right? Right. So uh, I'm 100% not better than anybody, and I really, truly believe that. I don't say it because it's a cool thing to say. It's true, you know? And the moment one believes that anybody else is better than you, that is an excuse. You know, we say we use this so that we can justify why we're not any success. It's not that easy. You can't let yourself off the hook so easily. You are as good. You're just being lazy or just being unfocused or just being filling the blank. But, you know, chances are that apart from exceptions, nobody's better than you. You're not better than anybody. People have just been there before. And mindset is the same thing. You know, I've just been there before. I worked on it. You know, the fact that I had to deal with a difficult family probably trained me from the beginning of life, you know, it's much like a kid that from a young age does dancing. You know, they probably be better at dancing than us. You know, this is the same thing. So mindset was a strong point of mine. But I'm also not perfect. There are times where I procrastinate. There are times where I want to do something that I don't do it. There are times where I spend my time unproductively. There are times when I beat myself up. 
because it doesn't have to be black and white. And it's not a case of being perfect or bad. It's, it's, it's a process of being better every time, right? So, and I've seen many people that succeed with a poor mindset, but I don't think they enjoy it. You can yeah, succeed with a poor mindset. You know, if, you, if you're smart, you've got a good business, got a good team, you may make lots of money, help a lot of people, but you may still be a miserable bastard. Exactly. Yeah. And that's basically not what I would call an abundant life. I mean, no, it, it, no. You, you, you can, you can certainly force your way through and just, okay, we're going to build this thing. But at the end of the day, you probably shortened your life by 20 years and what's yeah. left of the life you weren't enjoying anyway. So what's the point? Yeah. Yeah. And I think the latter is probably the, the most important part because when you're dead, you're dead. But, but if, if you're not happy when you're alive, then it's a really miserable way of living, right? It is no doubt about it. Yeah, but you decided from a very early age. That, that I think that's what's most imp- impressive about it. You decided from a very early age to find a way to enjoy where you were at with everything that you were doing. I mean, you, you took on this job selling this small advertising thing, and you, okay, we're going to get rich. You were so excited. You were all turned on and so forth. It didn't matter what the reality was. What mattered was what was going on in your head. You had created that mindset just out of the gate because you were so excited. It's fabulous. Yeah. A good dose, a good injection every now and then of uh, stupidity and blindness goes a long way. <laughs> it does, yes. <laughs> oh, that's fabulous. Let's talk also a little bit about um, what it takes to, what once you've got the mindset and you're ready to get going, but you aren't really sure where to go next. Like you, you, create these businesses like they were nothing in, in the way you described it. Now, when you went through the actual process, it was not nothing. You had, you had a lot of problems to, to solve as you describe it. Huh. Um, but the, probably the first problem was to figure out what it was you're going to do. You mentioned that it's important to have a skill set. So you want to identify a skill set. You mentioned how it's important to feel good about what you do. So it's got to be something that you like, <laughs> but how did you go about finding your first one when, when you got to the UK? How'd you do that? Where, where did that come yeah. from? Yeah, it's a, that's a great question. I think a better answer to that question, instead of telling you how the first came about, is probably to tell you how I would go about it now. Because okay. I think the first one came about uh, kind of without much intention. And so I don't know that that was the best way to go about it. I was more inexperienced. Now, you know, built eight businesses. So uh, I am, in fact, now making a very important move that is, is a, a still unfortunately confidential. So I can't disclose the details, but because there are other people involved, but um, I, I'm actually going through the same uh, transition now. And I think a good way to go about it is not so much about, okay, what skills do I have and how can I make money out of it? But it's actually, there's a very good monologue by Alan Watts uh, on YouTube. I think if you put in Alan Watts on YouTube, followed by... Uh, uh, money wasn't an issue. And it talks about what if money wasn't an issue? What would you do tomorrow? And I think that's a very good question to start from. So if you could do anything at all tomorrow, if money wasn't an issue, if time wasn't an issue, if nothing was an issue, what would you do? And then, of course, if you are 59 and you come up with, I want to be an astronaut and you never studied astronaut, then may, maybe that's not a good idea. You know, so there is a degree of making it realistic. But I think that's a good thing. And think, think to yourself, what would I want to do that I would love to do for the rest of my life? Now, again, there may be a stretch because you don't know what you want to do for the rest of your life. But if you can say, well, with a degree of confidence, I don't see myself getting bored of doing that. I see, ideally, you want to come up with something, oh, my God, I got goosebumps. If I could, I would help kids do X. I would teach skateboard. Or I would help women do X. I would help men do Y. 
then I think that's a very good starting point. Uh, the second step then for me would be, okay, what skills do I need to do that? And then maybe if you don't have the skills, go acquire the skills. And again, if you are 60, say, oh, well, if I could, I would become a heart surgeon. And you know, there's 10, 10, 10 years of school. Maybe that's not a good idea. So you got to be realistic. So that's one way to go about it, which I really, really love. Sometimes you don't have that. Sometimes it's hard to answer, what would I do if money wasn't an issue, if time wasn't an issue? And if that's you, if you find that you don't have that yet, one way that I um, come up with three or four years ago, I had a bit of time spare, and I thought, okay, I want to have about 100K this year. What could I do that would take me less than an hour a day, and that would produce 100K? And so one method that I, I'm sure I stole it somewhere, but I refined it later, is to have a session with myself of about an hour or so, where without prejudice, without judgment, I list uh, any idea, stupid or otherwise, that could get me to that goal. And then when I have this long list of anything between brilliant ideas and, and just pure stupidity, I leave it, I go for a walk or a run, or a day after I go back to it, and, uh, um, and then I will grade these items one to three, one being the easiest and three being the hardest, and A to C, A being the one that is most likely to be very profitable or lucrative and C the least. And so you end up with a list of one A's and one C's and so on, right? And then I will shortlist this to three or four and then go that way about it. And I actually build a very good business doing that. So these are the two ways that I would suggest for people to go and, 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 and uh, kind of explore what to do tomorrow. So one is passion driven. Think to yourself, what would I do if money wasn't an issue? Okay, great. I would do that. Could I do it for a long time? Yes. Okay. What skills do I need? Fantastic. And then we can build a plan. If you don't have that, then just write a list, unconditional list of the things that you could do, sort it by the most effective and by the, uh, the easiest to do, and then go do something. That's very good. I like that approach. Really good. It's very, it's not only systematic, it ties into what you feel about yourself, what you like about yourself. What, yeah, what, yeah. what gets you excited. And I think the excitement plays an important role in helping to take those next steps. If you aren't excited, how do you take the next steps? Yeah, I mean, nobody wants to get up in the morning to go and walk on a muddy, uh, glassy, painful, uh, you know, pool, right? Right. Uh, so, you know, you, you need to have something that, that, that you have passion for because no matter what you do, really, you know, even if in the eyes of your clients and your audience and your followers, you look like a superman or superwoman, the truth is that there are many mundane tasks, even being a superhero, yeah? They're, they're, even Superman has to iron his suit, yeah? And if you don't have a passion for what you do, then when it's time to iron it, you think, well, I don't want to iron it. But then if you don't iron it, you lose scruffy or whatever, right? So my point is that you need to have a bigger why behind doing what you do so that you can be, you can persuade yourself to doing things you don't want to do. And even, you know, even especially when, when, when you don't feel like doing them. I just had an image of Superman going into that phone booth and getting out the iron before he went off to. to yeah, I, mean, yeah, I can't wear this. Damn it. You know, no, screw this. Uh, that's, I'm not going to be superhero today. That's you know, right. But, you know, the point, the point is, you know, anybody, anybody who's anybody, you know, you, you, in a business, you have to do the unglamorous stuff, right? Uh, that might include, I mean, I, my, my, my include everything, you know, writing boring job descriptions, you know, for a role that you are in. Maybe you are the CEO of the company, but but you haven't grown the company so much. And now you have to have a, an, a, an executive assistant that does 
the small junior task and you're going to have to write a job description, right? And maybe you don't feel like writing it, but you have to. And the way you're going to do it is if you have a passion. Well, if I do this, then I'm able to deliver on my mission, right? But if you do something that you're not excited about, I think the first time that you find something unpalatable to do, you're probably not going to do it. And that is the beginning of the end. Yeah, that's true. That is. Luca, you talked earlier about this latest venture you've got. I think you call it SAM, where you're mentoring people um, getting off the ground, so to speak, which is perfectly right in our wheelhouse of what we're talking about today. Talk about SAM. Tell us a little bit how that got going and what you do. Yeah, SAM got going because uh, running my agency before the pandemic, I used to travel a lot all over Europe, uh, Mm -hmm. either to give talks or to see clients. When the pandemic hit and lockdowns were enforced, I stopped traveling and I found myself with about 100 hours a month. I thought, what do I do? You know, I want to make an impact. So uh, we created SAM. SAM is uh, a secret agency mastermind. Which <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you in the superhero routine. I love it. That's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a program uh, that goes from step one to step seven. We are the third iteration now. So everything finally looks nice and beautiful and professionally done. And uh, and it's basically now it isn't what it was when it was born. When it was born, it was one session a week and uh, and very badly made videos, uh, tutorials. Now there is a learning portal. So if somebody becomes a client, their experience will be they get on board. There's many people in the business that look after people as they come in. But when they start, they will have uh, seven clear steps to go through in a learning portal um, on Kajabi, uh, where we cover step one is mindset. Uh, we call it the optimal you that covers mindset, habits, and mind movies and all that kind of stuff. Step two is productivity to get people to produce what most people produce in three days in half a day. And then uh, step three is to find in the dream client. Step four is to build a great offer. Step five is to build funnels. Step six is to drive traffic to your offer. Seven is to close is to close sales. And then we have a bonus step, which is, okay, now you're making 12K, 15K a month. How do you make yourself redundant by building a team around you? So these are the seven steps plus the bonus. And, uh, and they've got a learning portal, but then they have daily coaching. We're real life coaches. There's, there's five of us. They go live every single day. And uh, and people come on and say, okay, tell me where you are. Well, I'm on step one and I'm stuck here. So we get them unstuck or, you know, whatever they want to do. And we do uh, an hour and to an hour and a half sessions every single day to get people from A to B. And people come into the program. And if they put in the effort, they should be able to build a a 10 to 12K business within the first three, four months. That's really interesting that you do it daily. I mean, there are a lot of people who do coaching programs of various kinds, <clears throat> excuse me, including coursework. Um, most of them usually have, you know, maybe two or three meetings a week, maybe once a week, usually group meetings. Sometimes there's, there's one-on-one, but usually they're group meetings. You're doing one-on-one daily meetings. No, no, we, we do group because group works. Oh, one-on-one, group, one-on-one group meetings. Okay. No, within the group, everybody gets one-on-one. But they're still daily. Daily. Yeah. That, that's fascinating to me that you're doing that. Why did you choose to do daily? Because if you have an hour with me today and then three days to forget about what we said, it's not going to work. Ah. What, so what happens everything. if you do Monday, Wednesday? If you do Monday and Wednesdays, what happens if you have a question on Thursday? So basically, you're keeping it fresh every day. You're every day. Every day. Every day, somebody, they, they know, depending on the step that they're in, they know what they need to do. You may be a step one and your job today is to write down your seven levels of why and to create your mind moving. 
right? Mm-hmm. And then tomorrow you come to the session and say, okay, well, have you done your mind movie? No, I haven't. Okay, that's it. That's what you got to do. But maybe you are at the level where you're selling. So we build a roadmap for you to, to get sales. So we can help you every single day. Uh, and the, the days are themed, although all the coaches can advise on everything. Monday is normally to create a very solid plan to achieve one's goal. So if the goal is 10K this week, then we will build the plan with the person if they bring in, uh, if they bring up their, their goal and their question to do that. On Tuesday, we focus on getting appointments, uh, sales appointments. On Wednesday, we focus on making sure that on Monday, you said you, you had a goal. On Wednesday, we make sure that we are on the right track. On Thursday is about closing sales and on Friday is about ads and funnels if you, if you run those. So people don't have to come to the old sessions, uh, to, to all the sessions, but if they want to, they are there. And I feel that's the only way really. I don't think in our industry, so in helping people to grow a business, I don't think you can do it any other way. I don't think you can do it without daily sessions. It becomes too easy for people to lose track of what they need to do. Not because they're silly, because it's, it's a, it's a jungle out there. You know, there's so many distractions and, and shiny objects. Whereas if they got a daily meeting with us, we keep them really focused on what they need to do. And how long, uh, typically is someone in the program? A program is six months. And in six months, people really, if they stick to what they do, they go from wherever they are, uh, to at least 12k a month. Even if they're starting from zero. Yeah, we guarantee that. So we select at this, we've gone for a while. So this stage we've got more leads than we, we can handle. And so we're very, very selective. We were always selective, but we're more selective now. So when people come in, we interview them. Uh, and as part of the interview, we need to have confidence of three things. One, are they ethically aligned with us? Now, if they want to build a business just to buy the Lamborghini, great, nothing wrong, no judgment here, but we know it's not what we do. You know, we donate a lot of money to charity. We prefer to work with people that do the same. The second is, do they have a business uh, idea that actually makes sense uh, that basically can make money? And three, can we help them? Maybe they've got a good business. Maybe they've got a good ethical alignment, but maybe they need something that we don't offer and therefore we just tell them, right? Mm-hmm. I can tell you that we offer a guarantee. So if people come in and we take them on board, if they implement everything and they don't get at least three times the, the outcome, we give them the money back. And that will never happen because if they implement it, because what we teach is not rocket science. It's not black magic. It's really stuff that, that we did eight times to grow eight businesses. So if this, right. you know, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it, that, that's what we do daily because we really want to have a good finger on the pulse. And it sounds like what you're doing in one way, in one sense, rather, is you're filtering in the people who you feel really are ready to take steps and filtering out the ones who really aren't ready to take steps for whatever reason it might be. Yeah, for for sure. Absolutely. Because this, I mean, look, building a business, and this is now, I wrote a book uh, 40 years ago, and as part of that, I interviewed uh, a very large number of businesses. And... uh, I think that the, the latest stat is about 98% of businesses that start to fail. And, and the yeah, reason is that building a business is very hard. It, it, you know, it, it is very hard. There are many complexities. Building a business is normally a complex problem that you're solving. There are many, 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 uh, uh, many branches of the problem. Whereas doing one thing is more vertical. So if you just want to, I don't know, if you want to become good at selling, you can get a job as a salesperson. And even if you suck at the beginning, you can get a course, you can get training, you can get mentoring. And your your, uh, your problem is a vertical problem. I need to be good at selling. 
when you build a business, you need to be good at so many things and you're not good at so many things. So what do you do? You need to well, compromise at the beginning, knowing that some areas are not going to be optimal. Much like in the mentoring program that we run in the SAM, our video library was really not very good at the beginning, but it was all we could afford to do. And many people seek perfection from the beginning in every area, and then they will not go anywhere because that is just not possible, right? Yeah. And so when you build a business, the problems are so complex and, and, and branched out that by definition, it's a very extremely difficult thing to do. And so if we don't bring in people that are at least ethically aligned, at least with a good idea, and at least ready to take the step, you know, we are making that 95% even worse. So, I don't know. <laughs> Which is easy to do. It's, it's not a, a challenge to make stuff worse. That's the, the challenge is learning how to not make it worse, how to make yeah. things better. And of yeah. course, that's what you help with. Would you recommend the idea of doing it the way you originally did it? Cause you just basically had to, you, you, you described it very nicely. When you were 13, you had to go make money. There was no other option. When you were 18, you had, you just had to go find something to help get the family out of debt. Um, you, you didn't have really anybody to help you along the line, but what you're doing now is you're helping people. And I'm wondering, do you think it really does make sense to, make it a priority to have somebody to help you rather than try to figure it out yourself. I put a post on Facebook today because uh, we, we just reached with a new business that is a part-time business. I mean, 80% of my time is at the agency. Uh, we just reached uh, half a million dollars in sales in the first year, uh, in the first wow. full year. And uh, and so I celebrated with this post and uh, under the post, I said, you know, here's the steps that you need to follow to, to have more chances. And the first, the very first point is get a mentor. Ah, okay. Yeah, why, mentor, what is it about mentoring that is so valuable? I mean, I think we could both agree that it is valuable. Why, why is it so valuable though? Uh, so the, technically speaking, my definition of mentoring is, so I, I study coaching a lot and I coach people, you know, whenever I can. Coaching is great. And the true definition of, although this is changing, I think we should probably change how we speak about it. But traditionally, a lot of business coaches don't necessarily have the insights into your business. They don't need to, to do that. They just have these coaching skills and techniques that through a series of strategic questioning will get you to unlock the answer, right? Great stuff. Consultants are people that you go to and they tell you, okay, uh, Walt, do A, B, and C. Yeah? I think a mentor is somewhere that sits in between, that has got a coaching attitude and has done what you're trying to do. And what makes it so valuable is exactly that they've done what you're trying to do. So I haven't, I am not greater than anybody else. I'm not smart. And my IQ is somewhere, you know, around the average. I mean, I'm, I'm, I really am not. Uh, there are some people like that's just stupidly smart. I know because I hire some of these people. <laughs> but they are insanely smart. But by, by, their IQ is higher than most. I'm not one of those. You know, I didn't have the money, didn't have the resources. It's not that I was one of these kids that from a young age just read business books. I'm not one of those, right? So the way I built eight businesses successfully is by, by keep doing it and then learning what works and what doesn't. And because I've done it for so long, now I'm able to know the stuff that is more likely to, to work and the stuff that isn't. And so as a mentor, I can tell that to my clients. I can tell you, well, you can go out. There are, I don't know, I'm, I'm estimating here, you know, totally guessing wildly, but there are maybe, let's say, a hundred strategies that may work. You're going to have to cho choose the one or two that may work for you and then know when, when to execute. And because there are a hundred, 
as soon as you start and you don't get results, you, the first thing that you think is, oh, this is the wrong strategy. I'm going to pick another one. And then you get into this loop of doing the same thing. Whereas if people come to us, we either don't take them on if we don't feel that we can help them. But if we can, there's no guesswork. Do this, this, and the other. If you like it, if you, if you do it, you'll get results. If you don't, you won't. It's as simple as that. Can I get results doing something different? Yes, you can, but I don't know that. So if you come into our program, this is what we do. And if you pre- and that's why we show our program to the clients before. So we tell them exactly what they're going to do. If they like it, great. If they don't like it, then go find something else. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I think mentoring in any area is important because of that reason. If you mentored in your job, or if you mentored in fitness, the, 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 uh, the appeal is not that the person may be charismatic or, or influential. The appeal is that the person has done what you're trying to do before, either with themselves or with others. So they can tell you, hey, what, well, do you want to pull up mass, put, put up a bit of muscle mass? This is what you do. And I know because I've had hundreds of clients doing it. So if you do it, you're going to get muscles. You want to lose weight? This is what you do, right? You want to have a better relationship? This is what you do, right? It tells you exactly, it's a, it's a shortcut to success. I especially like the fact that you describe, you redefine mentoring as being halfway between coaching and consulting, basically implying that it draws from both of those fields. And while they are different fields, they do have a certain degree of overlap that, that mentoring ends up covering. The, the fact that it does draw from both of those fields, I think is what gives mentoring a strength that perhaps both coaching and consulting really don't have because that on the one hand, you're kind of dividing your loyalties because you're doing two different things. On the other hand, you're filling a lot of gaps for somebody who is in that startup mode. And, and you know, as well as I do, that startup mode is, it can be daunting. It can be terrifying. And to have somebody who can help you cover two ways is big. One way. Yes. Here's, here's how you can uh, get yourself in the right mindset. Yes. Also here are the practical steps to take that combination it's pretty powerful. So I like your definition. I wanted to tell you that. Yeah, thank, thanks. But I think it's, it's becoming a bit more uh, normalized. And certainly in the UK, uh, I can't speak for other countries, but in the UK, it's, you know, you go to a consultant when you have, when you have a need of a very vertical field, you know, i.e. law, accountancy, whatever you go to a consultant. When you have uh, something that is to do with mindset, typically go to a coach, relationship, you might go to a coach. But in terms of business, I think mentoring is probably getting the right credit and the right uh, exposure because look, if you are a great coach, I mean, let's say you are Tony Robbins. I know leave Tony Robbins because he's also a businessman. Let's say you are a great coach that can really unlock a lot of stuff. You can be a better value for somebody if you, additionally to being a good coach, have also had experience in whatever that person is, is, is trying to build as a business. And mm-hmm. that is what a mentor is, in my opinion. Somebody who understands and uses coaching to consult people to grow in a business. That's really powerful. Very, very powerful. I love that. So where are you taking Sam? I mean, you've been doing it for a year and a half now. I imagine that over time, this is what usually happens. The the vision shifts, it, it, it grows, it adapts. Where are you at right now? Uh, so the, the mission of Sam is to create happy and successful entrepreneurs, right? People that um, do what they love to do and get paid very well doing it. And uh, there's always more people that we can help. So at the moment, I've got six incredible, or five incredible, no, six incredible team members. Uh, they are increasingly doing more and more. I'm increasingly doing less and less and uh, support them. And that's the direction we'll keep going. 
and that's it. I mean, there's no real grand plan. I mean, some people have this, this, you know, that's our mission is to create happy and successful entrepreneurs. We don't have a grand plan to, to change the world. We just want to do what we do. You know, we have somebody that joined yesterday and they posted at the end, well, after the session yesterday, they posted their feelings of gratitude for being in the program because that is a fuel. Right? The bank looks good and that's great, but also the emotions look good when you get these messages. So, oh, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll just keep doing it. I mean, it's, I don't have a romantic answer for you, I'm afraid. Well, actually, I would say that's a fairly romantic answer, especially because what you're talking about is appreciation and gratitude for stuff that does come your way that, that you're being helped out on. And that, that's a big theme that we talk about a lot here on the show. Um, but you're also talking about just the idea that helping people is a happy thing. I mean, you, you refer to entrepreneurs as happy entrepreneurs. That's what you're trying to create. That's not something you usually hear. That's not something that most people emphasize. It's not, well, we're going to make you happy while you're becoming successful. We're going to uh, simply help you be successful. But you emphasize the happiness. Talk about yeah, why. Yeah, well, it's, it's also the first of the two words that we, that we use, um, happy and successful. Because if you are happy, then by definition, you're kind of successful. Uh, you know, because right. if, if you, or you either are successful in business or being successful in business is not what makes you happy or not, you know, not what you need to be happy. So happy is important because it's very, it's very easy to make money. I mean, I can get 10 people with, you know, skills in that area and I can probably help them make, you know, a five figure business within two or three months. Uh, but whether, whether they do it whilst building something that makes them happy or not, that's a big difference, I guess. And, uh, mm-hmm. Being very wealthy, so having a business or a job that pays you a lot of money, but you're not happy, it's basically a commercial prison. Mm, yes. It's the same thing, because now you are trapped by the money. You can't live because the money is so good, uh, but you're not happy. Very good point, yeah. And if you're in that commercial prison, I like the term too, then how do you get out? Uh, it's very hard because you have, you know, there's... Everything in life is trade-offs, yeah? You want to have a partner, a life partner? Well, you can't fornicate around, yeah? You want to have kids? Good. Well, you're going to lose some sleep. You want to build a business? Great. You're going to have to say no to some parties. Everything has got a trade-off. And if you don't, if you build a business and you're not taking into account the quality of your life, mental health, physical health, and everything else, then you're making a trade-off that at the beginning is, uh, I think is, um, is covered by the excitement of something new, by the new money and what it can do. And so you don't think about, you know, what you're leaving behind quite so much. But when everything else stabilizes, then you think, oh my goodness, you know, this is what I've given up. And now, you know, my lifestyle has changed. My, my, my expectations have changed. Now I've got this big check that comes in every month. Uh, and, but I'm not happy. What do I do? I mean, and, and maybe at that time, and, and I'm oversimplifying this because I'm also speaking quickly, but if you are very unlucky and this happens over four years and in four years you had three kids or two kids, then, you know, it's hard to then say, well, well yeah, I'm, let me go get, be happy. Yeah. Forget about it. <laughs> you got three kids to look after now. So it's, it, it's actually a very dangerous thing, you know, and then, and it can, can, you know, uh, mutate into issues, very big issues, you know, that involve mental health and, and so on. So. I think it's a very important consideration. I'm surprised and not 
uh, more people talk about building happy businesses because yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of rich, miserable people out there. This is true. That's that's very true. Is it then part of the SAM mentoring program? I mean, is it actually built in, baked in to, first to make that part of what you're doing? Very first thing. First step is called the optimal view. We talk about the mind movie. We talk about uh, power habits. We talk about a daily routine. We talk about mindset of an entrepreneur. We talk about all these things. Go into that just a little bit of detail. I mean, we don't have a lot of time left, but talk about that step a little bit more because that that's right in the wheelhouse of what we talk about here on the show. So I want to hear what your take is on it. Yeah, so when you join the program, the optimal view really uh, gets people to to either reinforce, grow, or change their mindset completely. So the first thing that we look at is, uh, hey, look, you're going to get imposter You're going to get a few things. One is imposter syndrome. It's normal. Everybody has it. I have it. Uh, Tom Hanks has it. You know, everybody has it. So we kind of try to understand. It's normal, right? Uh, actually, not everybody has it. The only people that don't have imposter syndrome are imposters, right? So if you feel an imposter <laughs> syndrome, you know, you're, you're in a good place, yeah? So, so then next we go into the typical elements that constitutes a good mindset for entrepreneurs. And we go into details in how to deal with trolls and haters, how to remain friends with the people that are close to your heart, but perhaps uh, detached from the people that tend to drag you down willingly or unwillingly. Let me give you an example. If you say, well, my money goal, I've got a money goal. My money goal is to make 10000 a month. Great. Why are your closest friends? Well, they are Jean, Jane, John, and, and Ruina. Good. How much do they make? 5 k a month. Good. What do you think they'll tell you if you say, okay, guys, from next month, I'm going to work to make 10 k a month. If they say, great, you can do it. How can we help? Beautiful. Stay with these people. If they say, come on, come back down, you know, come back down from La La Land. You know, I'm not saying that you should uh, send these people to prison, but maybe... You want to separate yourself from them. Because if you say the same thing amongst the group of people that do 20K a month, chances are they'll say, of course you can. You know, we'll help you, right? So we will explore that. We'll, we'll guide people into building powerful habits every day. Uh, we'll guide people into creating what I call the wonderful week and wonderful day design, where they, get, they are in charge of the things that must happen today in order for you to be happy. So we talk about mind movies, how to create your mind movie, uh, which is an incredible way of, of basically having a goal vividly represented to you every single day. Uh, what else we talk about? We cover productivity. We cover, um, let me open the program so I can see it actually. So we cover a, a large number of things that uh, are really all designed to set people uh, in the perfect mind set to to build a business because like i said it's very hard oh yeah the, the why so we guide people into finding the deep rooted why so why do you want to if your goal is 10k a month why why is that important what would that allow you to do we help people do what we call the uh the final hour statement so how how you want to be remembered uh the mission uh, the powerful morning routine. Oh, there's so much in the program. But yeah, this is the type of stuff that people... And everything is very practical in the program, meaning that everything has exercises and, and, and it kind of starts and ends. You know, there's not like an ongoing loop. You do it, you implement it, and that stays with you for the for the duration of your discipline, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> One of the things that uh, I, I was thinking about as you were describing that is people will often... Uh, They'll look at these questions that you're raising about uh, what their mindset is and what their goals are and why they want to get there and so forth. And they'll often get to a point where they say, well, 
yeah, I understand it's important to shift. It's important to make changes and, and so forth, but I get stuck really easily. I mean, this, yeah. is this really for me? I mean, cause I, I have a lot of trouble making changes of that kind. Yeah. That's why we have uh, daily coaching sessions. So the coaching sessions are designed essentially to address exactly that point. Exactly that point, because a training program, we can, we can give these away for free to 100 people. 91 open it, it will start and close it, and two will start, get stuck and close it later. Mm-hmm. But when you have that one-on-one or one-on-group session, I guess it really is, yeah. it's a different experience then. Have you done your mind movie? No. Why not? Because I got stuck here. Okay, what's the problem? Here's the problem. Here's the solution. Go do it. Have you done it? Yes, I've done. Okay, done. It's a, it's a very high degree of accountability that you're setting. Well, you know, it's either that or you wasted your money. This is true. This is true. Cause, cause I'm sure it's a substantial investment in doing something like this when you're getting that kind of. Uh, well, we keep it, we keep it reasonable, very reasonable, in fact, but, uh, it is an investment indeed, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah. if you're going to invest the money, you've got to actually go for it. You got to do it. Yeah, that's really what it is. Hey, this has been great, Luca. I love yeah. the fact that you were willing to take the time to do this. I'm actually going to reach out to you about a program I have coming up in the future and, and uh, ask you to be involved in that one too. But before we part company, we can't just let, we can't just like stop right here. We have to actually give people, what, what were we talking about? Action steps. We got to give people the action step. If they are interested, how do they reach out to Luca Sanatore and his wonderful team? Oh of my people? goodness. Uh, yeah. Thanks for the plug. Um, I think Facebook is probably the best way. Uh, reach out on Facebook. If you type in Luca Senatore, you'll find my profile, my personal profile. Add me as a friend with the note maybe that you saw me on this program. A hands up, uh, my team will see everything that you send me on Facebook. Uh, but yeah, and somebody will then reach out to you. Either there or you can even Google my name and there's not many people with my name and you will end up in one of my blogs or whatever. So yeah, Facebook is probably the, the, the quickest way. Otherwise, just Google my name, I guess. I love the fact, too, that, like you said, you have a very unusual name. It's easy to find you. But I also like the fact of how I I found out about you. I, I don't remember which group it was, but there was a group on Facebook. And you were out there just finding people. You were you were actively looking for people that would be appropriate for your program. I got the feeling that's yeah. what you were doing. And then I reached out to you for, for doing this. But I was just really impressed. You don't hear about, you know, the head of the company going out, doing the trolling like that. Looking yeah, for, for I wasn't. I wasn't. But you did. <laughs> That's so cool. But, but I didn't. <laughs> okay. Well, this is a conversation then to be continued for another time. Unfortunately, yeah, we're we'll, we'll out. We're leaving hanging. We'll leave it right there. We got to have that hanger, right? In order to have somebody to want to hook to make them want to come back for the next one. <laughs> well, this was a blast. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, we, we definitely appreciate it. We appreciate all the knowledge and, and insights you have to share. We're looking forward to hearing more about you in the future. And really, on, on behalf of the entire audience, thank you very much. And thank, uh, you, thank you, listeners, for listening in. Thank you to our podcast listeners everywhere. We will see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.